Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the privilege we have to gather together as a family to worship you, to study your word, to, Lord, be equipped for what you have for us. And Lord, I do uh, just ask that you would be with Pastor Pat as he's uh, traveling and teaching, that you would just bless him and Gaynell and be with them. And Lord, we, we do just thank you so much for all that you do here, Lord, and all that you're going to do as we open your word. Father, I pray that you would just uh, open it up to our understanding that, Lord, what you intend for it to, uh, to be would be uh, what, we, what we hear tonight, Lord, that you would give me your words and that, Father, we would just glorify you in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're looking at this passage tonight. We're going to see not only the humanity of Christ, but the deity of Christ in this, in this passage. And, you know, it, it always excites me and, and blows me away when, I, when you think about really get a hold of who Christ is and that what he came to do, that he came, the creator of this universe who created everything came to die for you and me. That, you know, just that, that very truth and that thought of just getting a hold of that and getting, getting that into our, into our hearts that, that Jesus gave up everything to come for you and me, to save us, to, to give us that life. And it is just incredible to me. And, you know, as I was just studying this again, just, just thinking of, of that and, and really just just meditating on that truth of who he is and realizing who I am and yet he gave up everything to come and give us that and so as we look at this passage tonight we're gonna we're gonna start uh, I guess in verse 16 is where we're going to start tonight in verse 16 of chapter 8 of Matthew and it uh just backing up a little bit, just setting the stage, if you will, a little bit of, of Jesus has just been healing people. He's been casting out demons. He uh, just healed Peter's mother-in-law, and they were bringing just masses of people to him, and he was healing them, and again, casting out demons and, and ministering to them. And so we, we pick it up uh, in verse 16 there where it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. I love when we look at the scripture there and, and he, thinking of spiritual warfare, if you will, of thinking of, of Jesus just with a word, we see the power of Christ over Satan, over the demons, that just with a word, that there wasn't a big battle, there's not a big show, it just simply the word of God, Jesus' word, come out, and, and they, they had to obey, that, that Jesus has that power over the demons, over that spiritual world, and was healing all that was sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. 
And so we, we see here that, that Jesus was there healing and casting out demons. And, and this, again, this multitude then starts to come. And sure, you know, I mean, if you, if you see that and you see him doing that, you're going to want to be a part of that. And you're going to want to bring those that are hurting to him. And hopefully, in our hearts today, we realize that that's what we need to do, is bring those that are hurting, those that are sick, those that, are, that need the Lord, that we're bringing them to him, that we're leading them to the one who can do something about that, that we can lead them to, to Jesus Christ, that we can take them to the one who is, has the power to do that. And so... Getting on here in, in verse 18, it says then, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. And we see this a few times, that as, as the crowds gather and, and you know, they, they're looking and, and, and we see at the, at the feeding of the thousands that, that he does this because he said, they're going to try to take me by force to make me their king, to make me ruler. And so we see here that, that as they come, Jesus says, I need to depart. Why? Because it wasn't time yet. It, was, it wasn't his time. And so he says, okay, let's depart. Go to the other side. Let's go across the, the, the Sea of Galilee here, across the lake. Let's go to the other side. And as he... <clears throat> As he starts to go there, we see in, in verse 19, it says that there's a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And so we see this group and we see them with the emotion of, wow, look at this guy. Look at what he's doing. Look at the power. Look at, I want to be associated with that. I want that. And we see the, <clears throat> excuse me, we see this teacher, the scribe, come to him and then say, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. You know, and I think sometimes we can get caught up in the emotion of things and make these kind of statements of, man, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do this. And I know that, you know, been there, you know, get caught up in, in just the emotion of it and go, man, whatever. And, and we know that if you've ever done that, that usually wears off pretty quick. And you go, well, wait a minute. But listen to how, what Jesus, then how Jesus responds to this teacher. And he says, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, that's one thing that I was really just thinking about and, and meditating on this, this afternoon or, you know, these last couple of days of the creator of the universe comes to our planet, to the planet that he created, to the people that he created, and yet did he come in a palace? Did he come with all the comforts? Not at all. He's saying, I don't even, I don't have a house. I'm sleeping on people's couches I am, you know, type of thing. And it, that, that amazes me that, that Jesus come so humbly and for you and I. And, you know, what he's saying here 
to us. And what I see in this passage, in this, in this verse, is not so much that Jesus is saying, I don't have these things, but he's saying, why are you following me? Why is it that you want to follow me? Is it because I healed the sick? Is it because I casted out demons from people? Is it because you see that power? Is that why you're following me? Because if you're following me for anything other than for who he really is, then we're going for the wrong motives. Are we looking for what we might gain in power and prestige? Or as the health and wealth people will tell you that, hey, if you follow Jesus, you're going to be healthy and wealthy and all of these things. And we're going to see right here in this passage, Jesus said, that's not the case. That if you're looking at me and you want to follow me, I don't have reservations at a fancy hotel when we get to the other side. I don't know where, you know, of course he knew, but he's saying, you know, I don't, I don't even have a home. I don't have a place to call my own. And why? Because that wasn't what Jesus was about, and that's not what Jesus is about now. It's not about making us comfortable in our setting. It's about saving us from sin. It's about spiritual riches, if you will, not material gains, as some may look for Christ for, of looking at that material thing, of looking at, at what he can give us. And look, he gives us so much. You know, I am always amazed that I look at my life, at what Christ has done in my life spiritually, and, and what he does give me materially. That, and you know, that peace that he gives you, that that he is so much more than just that material that we, we often look at and that some people think that we should have. I'm a child of the king. I should have all of this. That's not what he's about, and that's what he's telling this guy right here. Hey, what are you looking for? Why do you want to follow me? Now, it's interesting to me that in this other case, in both these cases that we look at here in this, in this section... We don't know what, what this guy's reaction was. We don't get that reaction. Maybe he followed him. I don't know. We know, I think of this when I think of this, of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, man, I've, I've done all these things, but what, what do I lack? And Jesus said, hey, give up your material things because they're hanging on to those and follow me. And he, he walked away. Now, Hopefully this guy didn't walk away. Hopefully this guy goes, no, I want to follow you. And then he goes on and says here, then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Sounds like a reasonable request, does it not? Now, there's a lot of different opinions on this. Of Did this guy's father just die and he was going to go and bury him? I, I personally don't think that. I think that he was saying here that I need to stay and take care of my father. And looking at that, we are supposed to honor our father and mother and that we are supposed to take care of them. And this guy's going, but, you know, I will follow you once my father has passed and I bury him. 
And so often we hear that, and so often we might, when this happens, then I'll really follow Christ. When this happens, you know, when I retire, when I get this, when I get that, then I will really get excited and follow Christ. And you know what? When I hear people say that, very rarely do I see them follow through with that. And that's what Jesus says right here. Listen to what he says. He says, but Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And that sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? But what he's saying is, hey, follow me. Let the unspiritual bury the unspiritual, if you will. But you follow me. Don't make excuses. Don't make, put it off in the future. If you're serious about it, if you're really going to follow me, then start and follow me. And, you know, again, and when I think about that, Jesus gave up everything for me. And he's saying, you need to put those things aside and follow me. And, and I'll take care of those things. And so we see here that, again, we don't know, we get, we get no, no more information on that. Does this guy follow him or not? I don't know. But really, it's a heart check for each one of us. What's it going to take for you to fully follow Christ? To say, God, it doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm going to follow you 100%. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to follow you here and now. That, you know, and again, I know in my own life, you know, if I said before, there's never been a time in my life that I didn't know about Christ. I was raised in the church. I was raised in a Christian home. But there was that time where I decided I didn't really want to follow Christ. And one of my things was, you know what? I need to go have fun. I need to go experience this, and then I'll follow Christ when I'm old. I'm not there yet, but... <laughs> If I ever get old, then I will follow Christ. When I've got nothing else to live for, when my life, you know, and God's going, no, are you going to follow me now? And praise God, he didn't leave me there. But, you know, I think too many people, and I, you know, as I've talked to people that, yeah, you know, one of these days, I'll follow Christ. But right now, I've got all this going on. I've got this happening, i got this happening. And Jesus is saying, no, today is the day of salvation. Follow me now. And you know what? Once I surrendered my life to the Lord and really started following him, then I really started living. Then I really started understanding what life was about. And those things that were in the past that I thought were so good, you realize were so bad. And that they were destructive. And we're going to see that a little bit later as we, as we go through and work through these, this passage. But, you know, the thing is, Jesus is saying, now, right now, follow me. Give up. Are you willing to give up things for me? Are you willing to follow me now? And now it says, now we see 
the humanity of Christ, if you will. We see there in that healing and in the demon possession, we see the deity, and we're going to see it a little more here. But here we, we see the humanity of Christ. And we see in this passage that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. That we can't separate that. And it says now, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. So he said earlier there, let's go across. He gets in the boat. The disciples follow him. They get in the boat and go, okay, here we go. We're going to boat. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. We see this scene here. Jesus said, let's go across, let's get in the boat, and let's go. And he sacks out. And the other gospel, when we, you can look in, in Mark and Luke, and it talks about this, and, you know, kind of the same thing, a little, a little different perspective, but it says, you know, that he's, he's there sleeping, and this sudden storm comes up. Now, Jesus already said, let's go to the other side. But the storm comes. And I'm reminded here again that, you know what? We're going to experience storms in our life. Storms are going to come. And they're going to come up unexpectedly. They're going to come into our lives, maybe when we least expect it. But here we see this storm coming up and Jesus is sleeping. Hey, he had just been ministering all, to all these people. He had been healing the sick. He had been casting out demons. He had been doing all of that. And he was tired. He, we see that. He was sleeping. He needed that rest. And the disciples obviously hadn't been working too hard. because Here they were. And they're freaked out. Rightfully so. And I think we can say if when those storms come suddenly into our lives, we're going most likely to, to have some emotion there, to get a little bit freaked out. I mean, we kind of experienced some of this wind here a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? I wasn't sleeping. I'm laying in bed in my nice, warm, cozy bed and in all of my wisdom earlier, I planted a bunch of pine trees around my house. Well, when this wind comes up, it's like God standing there throwing pine cones at my house. <laughs> boom, boom. You hear them rolling across the top of the house. You hear him hitting, hitting the windows, and I'm thinking, I'm going to have broken windows. I'm going to have a destroyed house. And that's what I was thinking about. I didn't think, okay, God, calm the storm. No, I'm thinking about, I need to get some sleep here. I was like the disciples. I was kind of freaking out. I'm going, this is going to be really bad. And I'm looking at one pine tree out my window, and it's directly lined up to where I'm sleeping. <laughs> thinking, if that thing comes down, it's over. I just hope I don't see it. Just hope it's quick. It's still standing. But there's pine cones everywhere. But here these guys are. They're in the middle of the lake. They're in the middle, and this water's coming in to the boat. And they're freaking 
out. They're going, we're going to die. This is it. And Jesus is sleeping. Does it ever feel like in those storms of your life that Jesus is sleeping? That he doesn't care? That he isn't really concerned with what's going on in your life? I believe we've all been there. I know I have. But yet, I know that he's there. I know that he's going, it's going to be okay. Whatever the outcome is, it's going to be okay. And so he said that, said that that tempest comes up, that he's asleep, then his disciples came to him and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. The cool thing that they did, even though they were freaking out, even though they were thinking this was going to be it, where did they go? They went to Jesus. And I can wonder if they're going, you go wake him up. No, 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 you go wake him up. I don't want to wake him up. You go, Luke, we're going to die here. Somebody, well, how can he sleep during this? So they wake. That's the cool part. That even, and especially in the midst of this storm, what did they do? They went to Jesus. And they woke him up. And they're going, Lord, save us. We are perishing. And I love that because there's sometimes, again, that prayer, as Peter said, when he was thinking, Lord, help, kind of that same thing here. Lord, save us. And that's sometimes that simple prayer that of where we are of just, <laughs> Lord, help. Lord, save me because this is going, this is going to be bad. So, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Why, why are you so fearful? I'm right here. I'm going to take care of that. Ye of little faith. Or, o you of little faith. And I just think about a couple of chapters ago of him talking to the Roman soldier, the centurion, of saying, in all of Israel, I haven't seen greater faith than what you have. And now his disciples, he's saying, oh, ye of little faith. But you know what's cool? All we need is a little faith. We just need a little faith to go to God. And he didn't reject them, but he just says, why are you so freaked out? Has he ever spoke to you that? Boy, he has me. What are you freaking out about? I've got this. You know, and maybe today we're freaking out about things going on. God's saying, I got this. Why are you so fearful? Why are you so worried? Why are you so panicked about whatever's going on in your life? I got this. Just trust me. I said we're going to the other side. And one thing I know, that if Jesus says you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. You may not like the ride to the other side. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a cushy ride to the other side. He said, we're going to the other side. You're going to be okay. I'm going to get you through this. You're going to be okay. That pine tree is not going to kill you tonight. 
maybe later, but not tonight. You're going to go through, you're going to make it to the other side. You have little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. See, I should have been up saying, Lord, just bring a calm. If your roof got tore off, sorry, I didn't pray that. <laughs> but, you know, thinking, that is, Lord, and he just gets up and calms the sea. You know, and, and Arlen kind of brought this up, you know, when he was here this weekend, you know, last weekend of talking of, you know, of Jesus walking on the water and, and saying, you know, just chill out, guys, I've got this. You know, and man, if we're in our word and we know the word, we can chill out because God's got this. That we can understand that God, I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to be so uptight that you who can control the wind, that you who control the sea can bring such a great calm in the sea. You can bring that calm in my life. And I think of the song that says, sometimes he calms the storm, sometimes he calms the child. Sometimes the storm still rages, but we can have that calmness, we can have that peace of knowing we're in the hand of God, that we're in the will of God, that he is going to get us to the other side, that it's going to be okay, that we don't have to worry about those things. And so it goes on to say here, so the men marveled saying, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? They were marveled. They were, you know, they had just seen Jesus healing, casting out demons, doing all those things. But not only can he do that, he can control nature. He can control the wind he can control the sea. He can control those things. So for you and I, the thing that I know, that he can control whatever's coming and whatever's going on in my life. Number one, he loves me. He died for me. He can control those things that I don't need to freak out. I don't need to be that uptight about things. Why? Because he has got me in his hand, that he has it under control. And so they get to the other side, just as Christ said, get in a boat, we're headed to the other side. And I believe that this is a reason why he needed to go to the other side. In verse 28, and when he had come to the other side of the country, of the garrisons, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. Oh, great. <laughs> we, we come across the storm. We leave over there where everything was good, cry Jesus. Everything with everybody was loving us over there. We come over here, and what do we encounter? Number one, we almost die to get here. We get on land, and what are we, who are we greeted with? Two 
demon-possessed man. Now, the other gospels say there was one. So if there was one, verse 2, there's obviously one. And so people pick on this. But here in Matthew, he says there were two, and that they were so vicious and so fierce that people wouldn't even go around them, that they wouldn't even go in that area because these guys were bad guys. These demon-possessed guys, they were, they were bad. And listen to what he says here. Let's just, we'll, we'll read through the, this section and then we'll go back and talk about it some. So it says, when they come to the other side, to the country of the Gerasians, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before, our, before the time? Now, a good ways off from there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, Permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them, uh, who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from that region. Here we see these two guys coming to Jesus. And it's interesting that we see right before this where the disciples marveled and said, Who is this man? Who is this that can talk to the wind and the waves? The demons knew exactly who Jesus was. You're the son of God. They also knew that judgment was going to come upon them. They know the end of the book. They know that there's going to be a time where they are judged. And they're going, are you coming to torment us before our time? Let us, let us go into those swine. And again, you see there's not... And we're told in the, other, in the other Gospels when Jesus said, Who are you? And he says, I, I'm legion, for I am many. And, and we see that Jesus said just, you know, they're, they're going, Hey, can we go into these swine? And Jesus just simply, go. That was it. Just go. And it's incredible to me that, that Jesus, I believe, had this he had an appointment with these demon possessed men you know I, I think of this as when he said that he needed to go through Samaria because there was a woman there at the well that he need, needed to minister to and I believe that he needed to go across there and he needed to go because there were two demon possessed men that needed an encounter with Jesus Christ. That Jesus is going to meet us where we are. Warren Wiersbe said this about this passage, and I, I thought this was, that this was just really, really good. He says, this dramatic incident 
is most revealing. It shows that Satan, it shows what Satan does for a man, that he robs him of his sanity and self-control, fills him with fear, robs him of the joy of home and friends, and if possible, condemns him to an eternity of judgment. And it also reveals what society does for a man in need. It restrains him, isolates him, threatens him, but society is unable to change him. That society tries to control that, but society can't change him. But listen to this. See then what Jesus can do for a man whose whole life, within and without, is in bondage and battle. What Jesus did for these two demonics, he will do for anyone else who needs him. So Christ come to them and even brave the storm to do it. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I, that just really spoke to me that, that what the world has to offer and what Satan has to offer is bondage, is loss of self-control, is ultimately eternal punishment or judgment. But Jesus came to take away all of that. And what man couldn't do in these guys' life that Jesus did in an instant. That Jesus changed them. That Jesus, what the world would look at that person and say they could never change. And you know what? On their own, they're absolutely right. That the world couldn't change them, but Jesus Christ changed them in an instant. And we see in the other Gospels of this account, it says that when, the, when all these people came out to see what had happened, that they saw the, the demon-possessed man sitting there in his right mind, clothed and just calm as could be. Why? Because he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus delivered him from the bondage of these demons. And Jesus, and how did that affect the people of the town? <laughs> you need to leave. This is too, isn't that sad? You know, and, and we're told in the other gospels there that this guy who had been delivered begged to go with Jesus. Let me go with you. And Jesus said, no, go back to your home Go back to your city and tell people what I've done. You know, and for you and I tonight, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, we may not have been delivered the way these guys were, but if we have been delivered from the bondage that the world, that Satan, that sin puts on us, our job is what Christ told these guys go tell what I have done go tell what I have done for you and I see this that it's interesting these guys knew who he was that and they knew their fate and we see, you know, I think we can get caught up in, okay, you know, the whole swine thing. It is interesting, just a little plug for the Israel trip. 
If you go, you can see the area that this happened. It's really cool. And you can also see, I remember when we went, we were staying at a hotel there at the Sea of Galilee, and one of these storms come up in a hurry. And it was amazing to watch. And it just really made the Bible real, if you will. I mean, it just, so you need to go. But not that you shouldn't believe it's real anyway, but <laughs> just saying. But it really it changes how you look at some of these stories because you see these places and you see how that happened, how that could happen. And, and so it's just, it's incredible to, to think about that. But it, you know, the people of the, of the city, I believe they were more concerned about the livelihood, the pigs that perished, than they were that these two men were now no longer in bondage, no longer that way. And, you know, I think it goes back to what Jesus told the one, the, the scribe earlier. Why are you following me? Why are you going to follow me? I don't, have, I don't have any place to lay my head. That the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but I, the Son of Man doesn't have any place to lay his head. Why do we follow Jesus Christ? Is it because... He's God because he came and died for our sin because he's worthy of our praise or is it because what he's going to give us do we think that you know I think that this these demon guys were singing that song that we were singing hey my chains are no longer in bondage my chains are gone I am a free person that Jesus Christ frees us up that we might have that right relationship with him and that we're no longer in bondage to Satan that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That has nothing but destruction for us and that he robs us of our sanity, self-control, that he gives us that fear. And again, I think of these guys in that storm, that that fear that gripped them and we don't have to be fearful because we know the one who controls the wind. We know the one who controls the sea. We know the one who created this. And so we can walk in the storm, in the midst of that storm, knowing that Jesus has us and that it's going to be okay. It doesn't mean, again, that the, the trip is going to be easy, but I know one thing. Jesus is going to get me to the other side. That Jesus is going to be there for me. That he's going to get me to the other side. That I am secure in the hand of Jesus. That I am secure in my relationship with Jesus because what he's done. He's done something that I couldn't do on my own. He's done, he's done something that the world certainly couldn't do. Society couldn't do that he has cleansed me from my sin and that he has made me set kind of in my right mind, luckily clothed, that Jesus does those things. 
that Jesus will take care of us in the middle of the storm. And it doesn't always mean that, again, that he's going to, that the storm is going to necessarily be calmed. But I do know that he's going to get me to the other side. Why? Because he's faithful. And this same Jesus that we read about tonight is the one who wants us to put our full trust in him. And he's saying, do it now. Don't wait for whatever it is that might be holding us back. Don't wait for, those, for that perfect timing, if you will, because tonight is the perfect timing to surrender and to really give that all to him. And maybe, you know, we've walked with the Lord. And maybe just as the disciples had been in his presence and seen the miracles, had seen those things, but yet at this point hadn't really understood because we see there when they say, hey, who is this that can control that? And maybe we haven't really give that total 100% surrender to him and say, God, you know what? I do want to go with you wherever you go. That I will follow you wherever you go. No matter what that costs me materially, no matter what it may cost me otherwise. God, I want to follow you I want to be in your presence. I want to be sold out 100% to you. And maybe tonight, as we're here, again, maybe we're here and we haven't made that total surrender to him. Maybe we've just known about God, known about Christ, and never really made that total surrender to him. And maybe tonight you're here and you've never made that, even that first step. You know, I want to, as I close tonight, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. So why don't we stand up and let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the truth that you never leave us or forsake us. And Father, I thank you for the truth that God, in the midst of the storm, you're there. And Lord, sometimes we may feel like that, God, you are asleep, that you are on the other side of the universe, that you just don't care. And Lord, we, we know that, God, you are there. And that, God, you will get us to the other side. And tonight, if you've never made that commit to, commitment to Christ, again, I want to give you that opportunity. And you can say this prayer, something like it, Jesus, I do believe that you're God. I do believe that you come to forgive my sin. And I do want to follow you. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to come into my life, that you would take control of my life, Lord, and that you would be my Lord and Savior. I want to surrender to you. I recognize that I have sinned against you. And I confess that sin, and I'm telling you I'm sorry for that sin. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.